Well, good morning, Granville Chapel, or good afternoon if you've been outdoor crashing at Best Buy and you're watching this a little later. It is December the 26th, 2021, Boxing Day. If you're following the church calendar, this is the second day of Christmas, the season of Christmas, which runs, well, you guessed it, for the 12 days of Christmas from December the 25th until Epiphany on January the 6th. Now, in recent decades, uh, Boxing Day has been associated with bargain hunting. You know, you buy all the stuff that you need for Christmas next year at 50% off. But in recent years, all that Christmassy stuff has been on sale since Halloween, and it's been 50% off since Black Friday. And so now you can all just relax and enjoy this day as a true holiday, or we could say holy day. Where's the holy in Boxing Day? Well, traditionally, this is the feast of St. Stephen. He was one of the first deacons appointed by the apostles in Acts chapter 6 and was the very first martyr of the followers of Jesus. He was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7. Now, the faithfulness and sacrifice of St. Stephen is celebrated on Boxing Day, the feast of St. Stephen. And we celebrate not by shopping, but by opening up boxes or chests, sort of piggy banks, in which coins have been collected all year long. And then these coins are given to needy people around you. So, in addition to all those wonderful online purchases today, if you want to celebrate Boxing Day in a traditional way, then make a donation online to some ministry of justice or advocacy for the poor I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, of course. It's December the 26th. The waiting for Jesus is now over. We've journeyed through the four weeks of Advent in preparation for Christmas, and we've now celebrated Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the arrival of God in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He is here. Now, we're also finishing off a series of messages entitled, Come to Worship. And today, we turn to the very end of the Nativity story in Luke chapter 2. We're doing verses 22, sorry, Luke 2, verses 22 to 40. And this message is entitled, Come to Worship in Faith. Now, of course, worship happens whenever we gather for an hour or so on a Sunday morning, but worship also happens as we live our lives day by day, moment by moment, worshiping God. We follow Jesus' example of a life that is God-focused, God-centered, and God-dependent. Uh, this is the worshipful life. And today, we want to face honestly the fact that living that way, in worship, in faith, is hard. Worshiping God usually means waiting. Waiting and praying and trusting in an unseen God and, and following a God who doesn't always answer our prayers when and how we would want Him to. Honestly, sometimes the suffering, the the waiting, the, the suffering, the being around, the destruction, which is a part of our lives, it all can become quite overwhelming. Sometimes the anxiety wells up within us, and it's strong. 
Sometimes the temptations to give up, to lose hope, to sink into despair, that seems like the logical response to the evidence around us. Well, the question today is how do we stand firm? How do we come to worship in faith? How do we continue to come to worship in faith day after day? That's what we're looking at this morning. And spoiler alert, the answer is actually quite simple. The answer is this, that God keeps his promises. I honestly don't think there's any other way to keep going forward in this life except by looking back to see that God always comes to save his people, always stays with his people, and always redeems the mess that we are making. He does that by working out great long-term plans. But honestly, usually we find ourselves in the middle of those great plans. What we're doing is waiting and we're wondering. What we're feeling is confused. What we're feeling is very much out of control. And so if any of that feels familiar this morning, the waiting, the wondering, the feeling confused, overwhelmed, out of control, if any of that feels familiar, I've got good news for you. This is the story of Mary and Joseph going to the temple in Jerusalem. It's a, a simple uh, but profound story of the two parents bringing Jesus to the temple this happens in Jerusalem 40 days after he's been born, and they go there to dedicate him to the Lord. And while they're there, they encounter two faithful, spirit-filled senior citizens in the names of Simeon and Anna, and both of these senior citizens recognize Jesus as nothing less than the Savior of Israel. All four of the adults in this story are in faith, worshiping God in faith. Mary, Joseph, Simeon, and Anna, they're all living lives of faith. They're waiting, they're wondering, they're standing firm day by day, and today, this morning, we can learn from them. So we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to be presenting, sorry, to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. There's a lot of Lord in there, and there's a lot of law of the Lord in there. So Mary and Joseph are faithful. They come to the temple in worship for three ceremonies that are their way of worshiping God. They're following the prescriptions of the law, doing the things that they believe are important to God. The three rites are the purification of the woman 40 days after childbirth. Then there's the presentation of the firstborn to the Lord. And then finally, there's the dedication of the firstborn to the Lord's service. And just pause for a moment what those last two must have felt like for Mary and Joseph, knowing now what they know about Jesus. They've come to present their firstborn back to the Lord, and they're coming to dedicate this firstborn to the service of the Lord. I'm thinking that must have been pretty special for Mary and Joseph that day. 
So they make the offering which poorer people at that time would make, two doves. And, and while we wouldn't sacrifice animals today in our worship of God, I do want to hold up this couple for their very simple faith. I'm thinking by now they know that this child is special, and yet they're not all full of themselves. They're not making things up as they go along. They are faithfully following the commandments of the Lord. They are doing the things that they think please the Lord. There's a simple, beautiful, common sense faithfulness in the way that they worship. And I just want to say 90, 95, 98% of the time as you and I live our lives of worship, we're just doing the regular everyday things that we believe please the Lord. So Mary and Joseph are just going along doing their family worship there in the temple. And in verse 25, suddenly an old man comes up to them, takes the baby into his arms and then, and then bursts into worship. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved again by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him into his arms and praised God. He worshiped, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Now this prayer is known as the Nunc Dimittis, and that's just fancy Latin for now dismiss, as in now dismiss your servant in peace. Um, short aside here, in contemplative circles, this is the prayer that we pray at bedtime. As the old day ends and the new day begins, we're releasing back to the Lord all the burdens that we've been carrying and we now go off to rest in peace. Because God is God and we are not, and because He is faithful and we're exhausted, we're released to sleep while God carries on through the night with those burdens. So that's the Nunc Dimittis prayer. But today, I want to focus specifically on his worship, Simeon's worship in these words. Simeon is praising God because he's holding the Christ child in his arms. He's holding the one who will save Israel, who will save the world, who is going to save us. Simeon's been hanging on to a promise, and this promise happens many places in the Old Testament, but I'm just going to cite Psalm 130, verse 7. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He, God himself, will redeem Israel from all of their sins. Simeon believes that God keeps his promises, and now, after waiting in faith for decades, he sees the promise fulfilled. Notice that he's been believing for years, and now he finally sees. He's not saying, I'll believe it when I see it. For him, the believing comes, and now he finally sees. 
Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So Simeon's been hanging on, not seeing. Simeon says two things about Jesus that I want to note. The first is that Jesus is the light of revelation for the Gentiles. He's going to help them see clearly what God is like. And Simeon also says that Jesus is glory for Israel. And that's interesting. He's glory for Israel because this child is the servant of the Lord from Isaiah. And this servant is going to perform Israel's service of ministry to the world by making known to the nations what God is like. So this goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham wasn't blessed for his own sake. He was blessed to be a blessing. People would see what it looks like, how it works out if you are faithful to the Lord. And that then became Israel's calling as a nation in Palestine. They were there to show the surrounding nations what life can look like when God is Lord. And they tried and they failed. But now Jesus is going to do that perfectly. In verse 33, Mary and Joseph marvel at these amazing words spoken in worship to God about their child. Simeon is worshiping God for coming to save his people. Simeon is now joining in the chorus of Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and Zechariah and the Bethlehem angels, all of them who are praising God who comes to save his people. They've all been waiting for salvation, and now they've seen it come. We have to say that warm, fuzzy moment is popped as Simeon continues with a blessing for the child and his mother. I'm going to say, don't ever let someone named Simeon pray a blessing over you. Here's the blessing. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel to be a sign that is spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow. The blessing speaks of rising and falling and turmoil. Jesus is going to split the nation. He is the cornerstone, but he's also the stone that will cause many people to stumble. Some will follow him. Some will worship him, but some will speak against him and judge him and persecute and kill him. This child reveals God to people, but in doing so, he also reveals people's heart attitude towards God. And sometimes that's beautiful, and sometimes that's really ugly, and sometimes that's downright dangerous. A sword is going to pierce Jesus' heart, and a sword is going to pierce Mary's heart. What a thing to say to a mother and her baby child. And so, friends, we learn here that waiting in faith, worshiping God as we wait, is going to be very difficult, is going to be very painful indeed. Living a life of worship is blessed, there is joy, but it's not always easy and not always happy. We could say it's quite something for us little hobbits to be involved in the great salvation plan of Middle Earth. It's a long journey with a lot of adversity, and we're going to feel overwhelmed and confused a lot of the time as we wait. So coming to worship God in faith is not for the faint of heart, never has been, 
never will be. Back to the story. So right at that moment of this terrible blessing, another faithful, spirit-filled senior citizen, the prophetess Anna, another servant of the Lord, comes up and finds Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Verse 36, there was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Well, just like Simeon, Anna too has been waiting and worshiping God in faith for decades. And just like Simeon, the Spirit is now leading her to Jesus, who is the Christ child. Now, whereas Simeon spoke to God and then the child's parents, Anna is the prophet who speaks to the people about this child bringing redemption to Israel. He is the cause of celebration. He is the source of hope. He is the confirmation that God keeps his promises. Anna, too, has been believing and praying and living Psalm 130, verse 7. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Well, that's our story for this morning. I'd like to point out that this is both an end and a beginning. So for Simeon and Anna, this is kind of the end of the wait. The promise, the great promise of salvation has been fulfilled. But this really is an already but not yet moment. The baby who will save Israel and save the world is here, but he's just a baby. He, he is decades away from even beginning his ministry. The, the working out of this salvation that they're now seeing is still to come. The, the salvation they're seeing is only here in a potential way. It still has to all be worked out. So Simeon is checking out, but we keep going. And this is where we are today. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day have come and Jesus has been born, but we are still working out the salvation. We're still waiting for that second coming, the kingdom of God to come. You could call it the second coming or the second advent of Jesus. And that waiting is not easy. Worshiping in faith is hard. We very easily get discouraged when the things that we long for don't happen. When the faith-filled prayers that we pray remain unanswered. How, how do we hang on to God's faithfulness, this faithfulness in the past, as you and I keep going into the future? Well, I'm going to wrap up in the next couple of minutes with three thoughts. Three thoughts on how to come to worship in faith. Not just believing the right things, but living in hope. Living in this pain-filled waiting, living in faith. Here's three points for your Boxing Day and for your journey this week through the 12-day season of Christmas. Here are the three points. The first is we worship in faith, believing that God keeps His promises. The second is we worship in faith, believing that God is here. 
And the third is we worship in faith, believing that community is essential. I'll just unpack each of those briefly. We worship in faith, firstly, by believing that God keeps his promises. We are not waiting with nothing for something. We are waiting with something for something more. I'll say that again. We are not waiting with nothing for something to come. We are waiting with something, which is the promise, for something more, which is the fulfillment. Hang on to this today. God keeps his promises. In spite of the evidence we see around us, God keeps his promises. He is with us, he loves us, and he is working out his great promises. It might be a long wait. The second point, we worship in faith believing that God is here with us. The seed has been planted. Something has begun. It's sprouted. It's coming. The little seedlings are popping up from the ground. Now what we're waiting for is the great, big, full, fruit-laden tree of shalom, the kingdom come. And it's not here yet. What we're longing for is not here. But God is here. He is with us. He sees us. He loves us. He forms us. He gifts us. He sends us. He is working in, around, and through us. Something is happening. It's just not everything we could imagine or long for. We're not in control. We might feel confused and overwhelmed, even discouraged. But the invitation is to stay present, stand firm, keep going like Mary and Joseph. Don't run off looking for a better place somewhere else. Keep going like Mary and Joseph. Keep waiting like Simeon and Anna. And the third point is we worship in faith, believing that community is essential. Friends, this journey is just too hard to go alone. And so we gather regularly in homes and in the temple courts to encourage each other. We are the people who worship in faith. We hold on to hope in spite of the evidence to the contrary. We remember the promises. We remind each other of God's faithfulness. By going back and remembering, we find the strength to move forward together, even when we don't understand. We gather to speak hope. We gather to face pain honestly. But we refuse to give in to despair and darkness. And as we wait, we worship. The question is not, does God care? We have that answer. The answer is Jesus. He is here. And his kingdom is coming. The salvation we long for is underway. The question is, are we here? Are we still waiting and wondering? The invitation of Simeon and Anna speaking to Mary and Joseph is once again today, God is keeping his promises. And the invitation to us is to keep on coming in worship, coming to worship in faith. Amen.